Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ben Jarofsky here. Man, we had a killer interview with Rachel Ventura. Rachel Ventura is running as a Democrat. That's D-Democrat uh, in the 11th Congressional District. Rachel Ventura has a lot to say about health care, the need for Medicare for all. She has a lot to say about a Green New Deal, the, the need to uh, move away from fossil fuels to save the planet, and the need to have jobs guaranteed for people when we make that transition. And she has a lot of interesting things to say about the state and future of the Democrat Party, Rachel Ventura. She is a board member in Will County. She's running for Congress. She wants to be the AOC of Illinois. It's hour number two of the Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday. You know what you got to do. Got to get up out of that chair and download it. Go wherever you podcast, man. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, December 3rd, is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you by our good friends. Ben, what are you doing? I'm looking for something that I can't find. Uh, and now, uh-oh. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben Jarofsky, hit us with that song. Welcome back. Hey, I tease them a lot because we had them on the spot. Welcome back. Woo! All right. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Tuesday, December 3rd. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we're talking tonight's first Tuesday show with our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Masava, and we welcome Democratic 11th Congressional District candidate, Rachel Ventura. Now your host, back from Hollywood with a <laughs> suntan and all. Not really. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Back in the Block Tuesday, and here's why. Because I'm back in the block! As I said before, that's another song you could I could sing. Back in the block, back in the block. Anyway, I'm not going to sing that song. Thank God. Did you have a good weekend, D? <laughs> Yes, had a great weekend. Well, it was more than a weekend, okay? It's been a week. We took a week off uh, for an extended Thanksgiving holiday. I hope everybody had a very good Thanksgiving, a very productive and thoughtful and restful and, you know, filling Thanksgiving. You have a good Thanksgiving, D? Yes, I did. I uh, Did you eat a lot of turkey? Uh, not really. Didn't have too much Thanksgiving food. Hung out with family, though. Yeah, you, nice. were, you were down in Alton. Oh, yeah. And you told me they have Wi-Fi in Alton now. Yeah, my dad has Wi-Fi in the boonies now. Big things are happening in Alton, Illinois. Woo! Uh, and so while Two little words. I don't know if you heard of them. Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him. Well, so uh, while Dennis was hanging out with the super cool people down at Alton, I was in uh, Hollywood, man. Hold on. This is what I was looking for, D. Oh. All right. Mm-hmm. See you. Yeah, I was hanging out with the super cool people in Hollywood, uh, in Los Angeles, visiting family, having a really good time. And, you know, Dean, when I'm in uh, California, I'm known as Mr. Chicago, all right? So, oh, yeah, this guy knows a lot about Chicago, right? They're always asking me about Chicago. Oh, I'm sure uh, you're popular in California. <laughs> uh, and so, like, the, for instance, they'll ask me, like, random terms from uh, Bob Herget's book, which sold out, I understand. Uh, it has sold out this book, Chicagopedia, and I know I'm not supposed to talk about it, but let's give Bobby Herget credit. The book sold out, all right? Nice job, Bob. Don't talk about it. Uh, yeah, don't talk about it, but good job, Bob Herget. Uh, excellent job with Chicago PD of the book. And so people say, hey, Ben, what's a muskie? 
You know, that, that's one of the things in the book. And I'll say, oh, muskie's a fish. Uh, so I know a lot about Chicago. So it sets, this is a setup for him in L.A. And, um, you know, I'm following Chicago news, but not really closely. I'm not into that, like, super groove that I am when I'm here in the city of Chicago where I'm constantly, obsessively uh, following the news. And somebody tells me, oh, by the way, I heard that your mayor uh, fired the police chief. And I was like, no. <laughs> That's not what happened. Okay? She didn't fire the police chief. You know how condescending people can be when they think they know everything and the other person doesn't know anything? You know, she didn't fire the police chief. The police chief decided to step down to spend more time with his family, D. Remember Eddie Johnson? was He wanted to spend more time. I think he was coming to spend more time with his family. It's generally what people say when they step down. He was tired. He needed a break, et cetera, and so forth. They honored him. Do you remember that day? They honored him. Uh, they, there was like a press conference. Oh, what a loving guy. They were, you honored him a little bit. What were, you, what were your words there? I don't remember the words. Of course, they're all recorded, so somebody could come back and haunt. What a great guy, Eddie Johnson. Did I say that? Let's go back in the tape. Eddie Johnson's a great police chief. He, I'm happy he's going to spend more time with his family. Yep, that's what I said. I remember that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I said, no, no, no. So you don't understand. No, 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 Ben, it's true. You know, it's true. And then it, this is one of those embarrassing moments where someone in California knew something in Chicago that I didn't know, D. It turns out the story had just broken. It broke uh, on the phone. I My little Chicago Bulls phone. And I looked up and I go, oh, my God. Lori Lightfoot had just announced that uh, she had fired uh, uh, Eddie uh, Johnson. First thing I do, I text Maya, get ready to talk about Eddie Gate. Second thing I do, I text D, get ready to talk about Eddie Gate. All right, this is yesterday, folks, when I'm still in sunny L.A. Looking really cool. Uh, so anyway, I quickly turn uh, to the uh, the Chicago Sun-Times, Fran Spielman's great article on Eddiegate. Let me see if I can find it here. Found two things uh, absolutely fascinating. Number one is that it turns out that there's more to the story. Oh, but here's a big shocker. <laughs> it wasn't just stepping down to, to take a much-needed break to spend more time with his family. Oh, no. Negatory there. Uh-uh. No, no, no. No, no, no. Apparently, well, we all knew this. Uh, before he announced he was stepped up, he's stepping down, he had been found. He'd been discovered October 17th, slumped uh, over the wheel of his police SUV around 1230 in the morning uh, near his home uh, on the south side of Chicago. And uh, he had said at the time, well, I may have had a drink or two. And I remember I remember when this broke, it's like Lori Lightfoot had defended him. He said, he's a grown man. He wants to have a drink or two, a glass of wine. D, you've been known to have a glass of wine every now and then, right? No. No? Okay. Well, I've been known to have a glass of wine every now and then, you know. And uh, you beer, you're a, more of a beer guy. Yeah, you know. You, know, you know. So, you know, what's the big deal? He's a grown man. He should be allowed to have a glass of wine every now and then. Really liking that White Claw lately. Just keep going. What? I don't even know what White Claw is. Just keep going. Welcome back, Connor. Anyway, uh, so Lori Lightfoot has this press conference, and she says there's been an investigation, and he had a body cam on, and apparently the body cam revealed some things going on that he had not uh, admitted to when he told her that he was exhausted and needed to step down, spend more time with his family. Quote, the findings make it clear that Eddie Johnson engaged in conduct that is not only unbecoming, but demonstrated a series of ethical lapses and flawed decision-making that is inconsistent with having the privilege of leading the Chicago Police Department, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said. Had I known these facts at the time, I would have relieved him of his duties as superintendent then and there. I certainly would not have participated in a celebratory press conference to announce his retirement. Mr. Johnson failed the hardworking members of the Chicago Police Department. He intentionally misled the people of Chicago, and he intentionally misled me. None of that is acceptable, end of quote. As soon as I read that, I asked a question in my mind, I, a, a question that I know absolutely every single person in the city of Chicago is asking themselves and their loved ones and their friends if they're following this, and most people in Chicago are probably following this, and you know what that question is, what is on the videotape? That's correct. <laughs> Chicago's a funny little city, all right? It's like... 
Nobody says that publicly in the paper. I've read every editorial. Nobody's asking what's on the videotape. But D, you know as well as I do, at every bar, at every tavern, at every restaurant where this is being discussed, what is on the videotape? And I'll tell you what, those bulldog reporters at City Hall, they were pestering and pounding Lori Lightfoot, released, you know, what's on the videotape? What's in the investigation investigative report? And she would not, um, she would not reveal any of it. Um, Pressed on whether it was fair to accuse Johnson of lying without offering specifics, Lightfoot said, quote, yeah, I think it is. I think it's important for me to make sure I don't do anything to influence or taint the ongoing investigation of the inspector general. The inspector general of the city of Chicago is doing his own investigation, uh, noting that Ferguson's investigation as to others involved remains ongoing. The mayor said, even though the report someday may be released and the details reveal, quote, I don't think it's appropriate or fair to Mr. Johnson's wife or children to do so at this time. Now, D, let's just pause and think about this. The reason cited by Lori Lightfoot for not releasing the report, for not releasing whatever they saw on the tape, for not releasing whatever evidence they have against Eddie Johnson, is she doesn't want to, what, be unfair or embarrassing to uh, Eddie Johnson's wife or children. Well, who dragged them into the story in the first place but Lori Lightfoot? No, I wasn't thinking about Eddie Johnson's children or his wife until she said it. And of course, when I read that, and I'm not, I know I'm not alone out there, Chicago. Don't act like you're, oh, no, Ben, we're above that. As soon as I read that thing, I'm like, oh, I think I have an idea what's on that tape. Now, I'm not going to say what I thought, okay, D, because, you know, it's inappropriate to say what, but Chicago, don't act like you weren't thinking the same thing. And this is where Chicago, man, you guys are so phony. You're like acting like, hmm, this is a very serious investigation into police uh, impropriety and I'm very serious. And everybody, meanwhile, is rolling around in the dirt. What's on that? I know Dr. D right now was on the phone back to Colin Alton. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dad, what's on the tape? Oh, yeah, my dad. <laughs> huh? What the? Come on, D. Oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you what. Lauren Lightfoot said she was going to spare the uh, Eddie Johnson's family any embarrassment uh, by talking about what was on the tape. Nobody was talking about the wife and the children until she mentioned it. Either don't mention them or come on. And that's the other thing. If it was something really embarrassing... Uh, it was if it was something that the public should know, and there's a public investigation into this, Inspector General, public dollars have been used on it. We should know if this is truly the error of transparency. Be transparent. I don't. The I don't know why she fired him now, and without having the report, why not have the evidence ready to go when you pull the trigger? Why do it in like steps? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you just not, why wouldn't you just release the report? Hey, being a mayor's hard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, apparently being a mayor is hard. I don't know, folks. I just got to say this. Uh, I know everybody in the city of Chicago likes to think that they're above it all and they're pure and all they care about are like the real issues that face the city of Chicago, like the budget. You know, everybody's wrestling with the budget. You know, how's what's the impact going? You know, the impact going to be? They're going to have the, the city club. Your favorite club is going to have a discussion. Oh yeah, because yeah. I'm a member. <laughs> no, you're the member, dude. That's right there. City club's probably going to have a discussion. Oh, we're going to discuss the tax implications of Mayor Lori oh, Lightfoot. Which budget. city council member was that that you're uh, doing an impression? <laughs> no, of? that's the city club. That's the oh, city club. City club, yeah. City council. Anyway, city city club's going to have a discussion of that. But do you think they're going to have a discussion about what's on that tape? And negatory, they're not going to have it. But meanwhile, that's what everyone is talking about, folks. People in the city of Chicago got their heads in the gutter but they pretend it's something else. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, we're back on the block, and what a Correct. show we got. Thank you, Robert Mueller. Amaya will be in the studio. We're going to talk about First Tuesday tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about Eddie Gate, further, uh, Eddie Gate's discussion, probably do a little state's attorney discussion. 
get into that with Dr. D as well. And a little something I saw about Wisconsin. Uh, Cheeseheads up there, they think they're slick. They're going to try to take the marijuana legalization law in Illinois and use it to their advantage. We'll talk about that uh, with Maya as well. Wisconsin, so slick. I know, they're so slick. They're always looking a way to squeeze uh, Illinois people. You know, when you go across that state line, so many times they got the cops right there. They nail you for traffic, uh, for going too fast for speeding, and they just write you up with a ticket. You, Everybody in Illinois knows the games they play up in Wisconsin. Now they're going to start coming after you for reefer, man. So, yeah, Wisconsin thinks it's slick. Meanwhile, they're polluting us uh, with their Foxconn factory. So they take our money for smoking reefer, which is legal in Illinois. It should be legal in uh, Wisconsin. D, you know, you have a lot of friends from Wisconsin. A lot of reefer being smoked in Milwaukee. That's for, sure, for certain. Uh, so they're going to try to. I know like two people from Wisconsin. Oh, I thought you knew maybe a lot. Maybe three. three. Uh, Brian, you know, Brian. One. Uh, all right, there we go. One, and that may be it. Uh, so anyway, that uh, I'll be talking about with that, Maya. And then Rachel Ventura, really uh, interested in bringing Rachel Ventura on. Uh, she is a Will County board member, and she's running. She just announced that she's going to be running uh, for Congress in the 11th District. She'll be running against Bill Foster, the incumbent. Now, folks. This is setting up as a a Democratic, uh, like a Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders type battle. Uh, Rachel Ventura is very much of the progressive persuasion. And she's coming at Bill Foster, who is your basic mainstream uh, Dem, as we call him in California, the Dems. That's what they call him in California. Uh, Very much a mainstream Dem. So she's coming at uh, Foster from the left. Very interesting. Uh, Will the, uh, the 11th? Uh, support a Sanders, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren progressive. I don't believe Rachel Ventura has taken a position on Sanders and Warren because, you know, she wants supporters from each candidate. Smart. Uh, so anyway, we'll be talking about all the issues, national and local, with Rachel Ventura and whether the uh, progressive wing of the Democratic Party uh, can be successful in the 11th Congressional. So plenty of political discussion ahead, local, state, and national. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, having just polished off some of his leftover turkey, is going to read the news. Hey, everybody. We're back from vacation. My name's Dennis. Oh, hey. I didn't call you Dr. D. No. <laughs> you didn't call me anything. I called Just you the young man from Alton. The young man from Alton. <laughs> I have a name. It's Dennis. <laughs> hey, how about all that news happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, huh? Mm. Oh, first off, the big story that happened while we were away. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's first budget passed through city council. Woo-woo! Only needing 26 votes to pass, the city council approved her budget <laughs> 39 to 11, making it a significant win for the first-year mayor. The approval, however, did not come without some pushback from progressive aldermen. I have two quotes from two aldermen who opposed the mayor's city spending plan. First up, uh, it's the first quote we've read from this newly elected alderman. Your stake's in the mail, sir. It's Andre Vasquez of which ward, Ben? Uh, Andre's 40th ward, and who did he defeat in the last election to get elected? Uh, Patrick O'Connor. That's correct. Whoa! Look at the brain on Brad! Come on. (laughs) Come at me. Wow! I'm really impressed. Well, you know... Did a lot of studying while we were gone. This and time. who did Patrick O'Connor defeat in 1983? Okay. <laughs> Ivan Rittenberg. <laughs> what That's, a dork, guys. Uh, no, what a dork. I apologize, people. It's a sickness. I admit it. All right. Here's Vasquez's worrisome quote on the budget. Quote, my concern with this budget is it does not deliver the structural changes our city's residents demanded of us. Some of the concerns from included uh, the fact that some uh, of the aldermen or women felt that there was not enough money for mental health clinics and affordable housing. Our second quote is the alderwoman from the 49th Ward, Maria Haddon. Mm-hmm. Haddon on the budget said, quote, I'm not satisfied with the budget because I know that we need to do more as the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Maria Haddon is the alderwoman of the 49th Ward. Who did she defeat to become alderwoman of the 49th? I don't know. I don't know. Joe Moore. All right. All right. Joe Moore. All right. All right. 49th Ward, Rogers Park. 
Ben Jarowski, the vacation's officially over, oh, buddy. No. I'm throwing you in the hot seat oh, now. Oh, no. Right? Now, let's briefly, and only briefly, <laughs> pretend you're a Chicago alderman. Lord, help your ward if you're ever to, <laughs> that were ever to happen, by the uh, way. It would never happen. First of all, I would never make the ballot. They would challenge my signatures. So, we're going to pretend. Me. We're going to pretend here. Yeah. Alderman Ben. Oh, all right. Okay. Alderman Ben. Yeah. Would you have been a part of the 39 aldermen and women who voted yes on the mayor's budget plan or the 11 aldermen? And women who said no. <clears throat> Hold on. <sighs> Needed to drink that water because it's the hot seat and I'm sweating right now. <laughs> See, I have an answer to that question, but I'm going to just say it. It's easier for me to answer the way I'm going to answer because I don't have to face the consequences of, of Lori Lightfoot. All right. And uh, it's similar to Mayor Rahm. Like a lot of aldermen would just buckle because they didn't want Mayor Rahm getting on the phone and yelling at them and swearing at them. Uh, I think Joe Moore might have done that in the 49th War a few times. But uh, to answer your question, I'd like to believe that I would have voted no. Uh, and I'll tell you why I would have voted no. I'm curious. I'm going to ask Maya this question as well. I'll get her thoughts on this one. But Alderwoman uh, Maya? Yeah, Alderwoman Maya. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Alderwoman <laughs> Maya. Man, the F bomb would be flying. Uh, but uh, I believe that the city of Chicago needs to move uh, toward the left. In general, that's where I come from. And we need to be more progressive in how we fund government. That is the key. Uh, that's just the key struggle that just not the city of Chicago, but the state of Illinois and the country as a whole face. That's really what Bernie Sanders' campaign is all about, what Elizabeth Warren's campaign is all about. Hey, J.B. Pritzker's campaign was all about that. And to one degree or another, uh, Lori Lightfoot's campaign was all about that. At least whenever she showed up where places where I was, she talked like a progressive lefty. And I don't believe this budget did enough uh, to move in the progressive direction. I don't believe there was enough. There was there were new, uh, there, no new taxes that would hit hardest on the wealthiest. All that is sort of punted. It, it will be discussed perhaps at a later time. Uh, and uh, and I in particular, just it's almost like a symbolic view. I do not understand why the city of Chicago is incapable of finding the money to open just one of that six clinics that Mayor Rahm closed. I think symbolically, if nothing else, uh, it would be an important step to take. I cannot believe that whatever cost it would be to open up a mental health clinic in a poor neighborhood would be that exorbitant that it would drain the city of crucial money that it, it needs. First of all, the, the rent alone would be low. You're talking about a poor neighborhood, so the rents would be lower. There's a lot of vacant land if you want to build the thing. Uh, and uh, I just believe that... It, Lori Lightfoot, if she had done that, would have been sending a message that distinguishing herself from Rahm Emanuel. And it was that first budget where Rahm closed the six mental health clinics. And he said he did it because he had was saving the city money. And at the same time he was doing that, he was signing on with a, pl a, a, a bill in Springfield that gave a tax break to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. So the symbolism of claiming you're saving money by closing a clinic that would help the poorest of the poor while giving the richest of the rich a tax break was offensive and no Democrat should have anything to do with that. And yet uh, Mayor Rahm got a 50 to nothing vote in that first budget, largely because he controlled the remapping process that followed it. So the aldermen didn't want to upset him and get uh, remapped out of their wards. Uh, and so here we are uh, in 2019 and it's the same. It's almost like a symbol. Will Lori Lightfoot take a move away from Mayor Rahm's era and reopen one clinic? And I just feel the inability to do that just shows, I don't know, an unwillingness uh, to use the city's dollars uh, effectively in a progressive way. That's just one little example. So I would like to believe that I would have had the guts and the courage to to vote no against the budget. I'm going to ask Maya, I'm going to put Maya on the hot seat. She just walked in here, see if, uh, if it was Alderwoman Maya. Uh, would she, uh, would she, <laughs> I don't hear what she said, but I couldn't hear what she said. She said something. So I would like to think that I would have voted no, Dee. Mm -hmm. All right. Ben Jarofsky says no. What say you, Ben Jarofsky show listener, if you're listening live on Facebook, by the way. Also, shout out to the folks that uh, found us and jumped on Facebook. There were some uh, people who usually listen to us on YouTube that are a little worried. Pat Rod found us. 
Daniel found us. What's up, guys? Thank Should you for I sing a us. song for them again? Please don't. Welcome back. <laughs> Wait, by the way, what? how would you have voted? How would I have voted? Yeah, you're Alderman Dr. D from oh. the, the uh, what would it, your ward be? The Bong Ward. Oh, the <laughs> Bong Ward. Nice to know what you think about it. <laughs> so how would you, how would Alderman Dr. D have voted? I don't know. Is there an option for man? Huh? I don't know. Is that one? Can I say uh, that? No, that's oh, not cutting it. You yeah. got to make a choice. Yes or no, Dr. D, go. Uh, uh, no. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right, moving on here. Moving on. So, yeah, I would have voted no. But you know what? It's easy for me to say that because if I I don't have to deal with Lori Lightfoot calling me on the phone and yelling at me. You know what I'm saying? Or, so... I'd like to think I could stand up to that. All right, all right. All right, we're moving on here. Only one thing scheduled for our Chicago mayor this afternoon. Well, one thing aside from having to deal with another stupid problem. Yes, it's the other story that happened while we were away. (laughs) Eddie Gate. Today I'm announcing that I terminated Eddie Johnson's employment as superintendent of the Chicago Police Department for cause effective immediately. Former Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson, what did you do? It has become clear that Mr. Johnson engaged in a series of actions that are intolerable for any leader in a position of trust, particularly the head of the Chicago Police Department. And good God, man, what on earth is on that videotape? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having the guts to ask what every Chicagoan is asking right now. But, of course, official Chicago, no, uh, we're above that. Uh, that question is just no beneath us. So aside from that, the only thing that Lori Lightfoot's got going on is headlining a fundraiser for her very own pack and, wow. surprise, surprise, it's a luncheon! This little light of mine, <laughs> I'm gonna let it shine! She loves luncheons, everybody. She sure does. Still not sure what a luncheon is, but she loves them. A luncheon is where you eat lunch. And? Uh, there's on. You have on with that. It's not just lunch, it's on. No, yeah, lunch. Someone please clue us in. What the hell's a lunch? Well, yeah, what's the difference? Like going to a restaurant with your friends and having the waffles and eggs, which we're going to do really soon. I right? think that's a sign that uh, we've, we've made it in life if someone invites us to a luncheon. A luncheon, right? yeah. I w- uh, TC invited me to a luncheon. Really? Yeah, Terry Cosgrove invited me to a luncheon. So I've been to a luncheon. But Ben, before we move on to other news here, you open the show with it. Anything else you'd like to say about Eddie Gate? Well, I uh, addressed many of the like my thoughts on Eddie Gate. Uh, you know, again, I believe that whatever the uh, inspector general has uh, dug up, unearthed, if you will, should be presented to the public. I don't think this should be concealed. Um, Good God, it's again, it's a public figure and uh, it's a public investigative body. Uh, Let's put it this. It was if it was an ordinary police officer who was relieved of his duties uh, and uh, it would all that information would be put out there at a trial at the police board. So I think if it's good for an ordinary police officer, it's good for the top cop. So I really don't understand. We could get into Maya with this uh, later. I do not understand why they're not revealing more of the information right now immediately. I mean, you have the press conference. You you announced that the guy did something so horrific, so horrible, that you cannot keep him in office. He has to be immediately fired. By the way, D, there was this great, that great Lori Lightfoot quote uh, where they asked her, um, was here. Oh, yeah. He was uh, Johnson was informed of Lightfoot's decision at a city hall meeting with the mayor that lasted all of a few minutes. Uh, this is Franz Spielman's story about it. Uh, he left the mayor's office without comment. Pressed to describe Johnson's reaction, Lightfoot offered a one-word answer: "Quote accepting." Uh, that reminds me of the coach of the Chicago Bulls, Scotty Skiles, a few years ago, uh, was asked uh, by a reporter, maybe Joe Colley, uh, what Eddie Curry, uh, the Bulls center, could do uh, to rebound better. And he had one word answer, jump, which I thought was a pretty good answer. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So Lori Lightfoot fired him. I think she should come forth and present the evidence at the reason why she fired him. And, hey, that was our sports reference of the day on the Ben Jarofsky show. I'm not allowed to make any more? No, nope, you're done. All That's right. it. Just one. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to put a button on that for now. Ben and Meyer are going to be talking more about uh, what we're calling here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, Eddie Gate. Eddie Gate, yes. Don't Eddie go Gate. anywhere. We'll be talking more about that. Uh, a story that just came in. I think we got to talk about it here. Uh, Kamala Harris. Yes. As ending her presidential bid today. Ben Jarofsky, anything you'd like to say? Well, let's uh, pass the uh, uh, tissues over to, to Maya. Maya was a huge supporter <laughs> of uh, Kamala Harris. How will I ever survive now? It's okay. It's going to be okay, Maya. It's It'll be, be okay, okay, Maya. We'll help you get through it. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I, I've always wanted a candidate who stands for nothing. Yeah, I okay. To represent well, me in the White House. Well, you got Pete Buttigieg. He's still in the race. Oh, so, thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, here's the deal. I I acknowledge I was drinking the Kamala Kool Aid for a little while uh, after that first debate where she went after Joe Biden. I thought she was very effective, and then as Maya pointed out. Uh, it quickly became apparent that Kamala Harris did not know what she stood for in terms of the issues. And we saw that in the second debate where she backtracked on her pledge for Medicare for all that she had made in the first debate. You remember that when uh, they had asked for a show of hands on whether people would have to give up their private insurance uh, to take a Medicare for all. And she was one of the people raising their hands to say yes, mm -hmm. as a sign, a declaration of support for Medicare for all and taking on the insurance lobby, very Bernie like. And then uh, when the feedback was negative from the pundits at the New York Times, et cetera, and so forth, she announced that she misheard, she didn't hear the question fully and she <laughs> didn't mean to she wouldn't have raised her hand if she so d it was it's really hard you know to uh, for me to continue drinking the kamala kool-aid i gave it a good effort didn't i yes you did and your favorite candidate or one of them tulsi gabbard took her down a notch or two yeah in yeah, the yeah. second debate i think it was when she went after her on reefer you remember that you remember, i don't mm -hmm. know you remember, did we talk I love about it when you say reefer I, <laughs> i'm old man what can i tell you but remember that you remember that debate or where uh it was tulsi who came strong at uh, uh, Kamala. I don't think Kamala actually ever... There were two things. One, the backtracking on the Medicare for All, and two, when uh, Tulsi came hard at her on her uh, record as Attorney General locking up uh, black people for smoking marijuana. Marijuana. Cannabis consumption. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's pretty much legal for white people. So, I don't think her campaign ever... Yeah, I think it's pretty bad when you're getting knocked down a peg by Tulsi Gabbard, so, you know, that was probably, you know... That was a sign of this day Yeah, back then. Back then. So anyway. So once again, Kamala Harris ending her presidential campaign. And I guess that also means that uh, we're going to be ending a, a very popular bit here on the Ben Jarofsky show where Ben drinks the Kamala Kool-Aid. <laughs> so it's a sad moment here on the program. But Ben, one more time, let's go ahead and do that bit. We'll miss you. Mm. You know, no, but uh, my question is, <laughs> who will Tulsi Gabbard have to insult now? Well, she... Uh, she went after Pete Buttigieg in the last campaign. Did I, that was like one of the highlights. I, I know we have that tab. I'd love to uh, get Maya's thoughts on that someday. Play it for her. Uh, Tulsi going after Pete Buttigieg. I just remember her talking about being at house parties uh, at one point, at one in, point. in that last debate. That I was too distracted by that to pay that attention house. to her. Well, she, yeah, she went after Pete Buttigieg on the issue of whether he was endorsing sending troops uh, to oh, yeah. Mexico. Oh, Mexico, yeah, right. And uh, Buttigieg said that's ridiculous and absurd. And uh, I, I would, I'm would, i not even going to take anything serious because uh, you met with Syrian President Assad. And then she came back and uh, said, compared herself to Reagan meeting with Gorbachev and uh, Roosevelt meeting with Stalin. It was a pretty good exchange, for I thought. For, mm, yeah. So I, I know it was on national news. For a debate we, no one watched. Uh, I watched it. And yeah, uh, so Letitia Wallace watched it. And uh, Samina Mustafa watched it. And, no, I watched it, but I mean, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a... People who aren't us nerds. Yeah, and I we, we've discussed that in the past. Uh, there's... Uh, I'm, I think that's problematic that there aren't more nerds and the, or mm. that you're considered a nerd when you care about something like who's going to be the next Democratic nominee to run against Donald John Trump. So some breaking national news that we had to talk about there in the local news. We're going to keep you posted on our local stories as today's program rolls along. It's primary election season here in Illinois. We're going to be talking more about the races there. Oh, and we got to mention, too, uh, no public events scheduled for J.B. Pritzker. I'm J.B. Pritzker, and I'm not a perfect person. Uh, all right, everybody, so don't go anywhere. Coming up after this short little break, oh we're talking God. tonight's first Tuesday show, people. It's tonight, Woo! 1354 West Wabanzia, 630 at The Hideout. We're going to be talking more about it with Maya Dugmasa, but don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. 
The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Maya and I are very excited because tonight we'll be uh, at the hideout, uh, thir- geez, 1354 West Wabonsi. Come on, I, vacation's I, over, vacation's buddy. Vacation's over, man. <laughs> For a second, I was like, 1354 West Wabonsia and uh, at 630 tonight. Um, still some tickets available, I A understand. few tickets still left, yeah. Well, they've been selling like hotcakes online, uh, so I recommend that folks get there early. Uh, to grab a seat, otherwise you'll be standing in the back. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> My love. Bob, Bob, Bob Mueller will be there yes. as every month. He's yeah. there. He'll be there. This Autographing month. his report. That's right. Uh, That's correct. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we've got Leah Levenger, uh, executive director of the Chicago Housing Initiative, and one of the one of the most. Uh, storied housing organizers in the city um they're probably you probably haven't heard of a housing uh, a housing an affordable housing or fair housing fight that she's not been uh, a key player in so we've got her and we've got daniel k hertz who's um author and policy analyst and until very recently a, a the constant thorn in the city's side but now he's the policy director of the chicago housing department so um leah and uh daniel have worked alongside one another on various issues over the years and now they find themselves um kind of on on different sides of the of the city power structure so we'll be talking all about that we'll be talking about what's going on with various um affordable housing issues in the city what we can expect from this new housing department and it should be a good conversation yeah it's good. it uh we may we may get a little wonky uh and uh as we talk about uh the various housing initiatives that uh, we're facing here in the city uh daniel uh, uh hertz wrote a book about uh, the housing battles in Lincoln Park. It's, it, 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 it's interesting that he's now finds himself uh, working uh, on the inside. Uh, it was a really great book. I read it over uh, the, the Thanksgiving holiday. You, I, you were so nice to give me your copy with all your scribbles uh, <laughs> in it, which I kept. I didn't scribble and I refrained from scribbling. But so many of the issues that he talked about that took place in Lincoln Park, which for people who are listening outside of Chicago, uh, that is the area just north the Loop, which is one of the most affluent areas in the city of Chicago right now, mm-hmm. probably the richest area. This is Gold Coast, probably maybe a little richer. Uh, homes cost like upwards of a million dollars. You have to be rich to live there. Yeah. And what uh, many people, many of our millennial listeners may not know, is that as recently as the '60s and '70s, it was a relatively middle class, working class family with a large Puerto Rican population, a black population as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that area completely transformed through what we now call gentrification. They didn't call it gentrification then. And so many of the patterns that Lori Lightfoot is confronting as mayor of the city of Chicago have a history. And and Daniel chronicled the history, at least in that one neighborhood. Uh, And the city has not, how do I put this, Maya, as euphemistically as I can, the city has never really addressed gentrification as though it were a quote-unquote problem. Mm -hmm. They generally view it as something good Mm -hmm. and healthy that they should encourage and seed and fertilize, et cetera, and so forth. It's only outsiders like Leia Levengers of the world who talk about it as a problem. Right, yeah. So this is all going to be um, topics of discussion tonight. And um, they, you know, we'll be also talking about what the latest with the push to lift the ban on rent control in the state and various proposals out there to actually establish some kind of rent regulation. We'll be talking about um, the city's affordable requirements ordinance, which uh, is supposed to force developers to build some affordable housing, but it's not super effective at doing that. So there's some ideas floating around for how to make it stronger. Um, yeah, so everybody should come. 1354 West Wabansia, 6.30. Get there early to get to get a seat. Um, five bucks should be a good conversation. And, uh, and uh, yeah, 6.30. Uh, we start time. We start at time. Yeah, at we start first on Tuesday. time. Uh, Timmy Tutton, 
does the opening spiel, and we get uh, right at it. And they serve beer. Yep. And they serve beer. And uh, I shouldn't say this, but uh, this is... We will also be taping the show. Uh, Antonio, yes. Tony, all will be there. If you don't get in, you can watch it uh, live streamed on uh, our Facebook page. So the we'll put it on the first Tuesdays now has its own Facebook page. So we'll put it on there. Um, we'll put it on the reader page, I think, and the Benjarovsky show page. So you should be able to catch it online if you can't make it tonight. All right, let's switch gears to Eddie Gate, Eddie Johnson, former police chief. Uh, you, uh, I texted you immediately yesterday, as I said already, when I, I was in, still in Los Angeles. and uh, uh, You texted me before I heard the news. I yeah. thought you were talking about Eddie Burke, because that's another Eddie Gate. Yeah, there's a, yeah. There's a lot of Eddies and a lot yeah. of Gates. Uh, and, yeah, Stay and you, out of trouble, Eddies in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. but I was like, what, huh? And I go... Uh, Listen, don't feel bad. It was someone from L.A. I can't remember who it was. Broke the news to me. Yeah. And I was correcting. No, no, no. They, they said, oh, yeah, your mayor fired a police chief. I go, no, no, no. You misunderstood. He quit to spend more time with his family, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it uh, turned out uh, he was fired. So just general thoughts right off the bat. Um, I just find it, I don't know, weird that at the end of the day, the thing that's going to get this guy fired is... He fell asleep after, you know, at the wheel of his car that was parked on the side of the road after like drinking somewhere uh, in the evening, you know, it's and then like he wasn't uh, allegedly wasn't truthful about why he was asleep in his car. You know, it's just like I, w- I would encourage everybody to go read this incredible article that was published in The Intercept. I think it was earlier this year, actually. Um, it's an article by Sam Stecklow and Andrew Fan. Uh, actually, it was uh, published about a year ago, November of last year. It's called um, uh, Use of Force, Chicago Police Superintendent Andy Johnson's Long Record of Justifying Police Misconduct and Shootings. So it's a very in-depth, data-driven story that really explores... Eddie Johnson's track record as he rose up through the ranks in the police department and as superintendent of basically letting a lot of cops under his command get away with with uh, some, you know, questionable behavior and tactics on the street. Um, And, you know, I just you know, it's just uh, (laughs) there are so many I feel like there's so many legitimate criticisms that you could make of Eddie Johnson in his professional capacity. And there have been so many incidents that probably merited a consideration of maybe this guy shouldn't be leading the police department. And the thing that ends up sinking him is like, uh, like some personal mess. You know what I mean? Like something that has like nothing to do with, with, you know, with, with, the job. His, his, yeah, his and what he's doing on the job, you know. Mm. So I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not going to say like it's okay for a public official to be like driving drunk. Obviously, not a good idea for anybody. But um, I think <laughs> I heard, I, I saw like a very cynical take on this that I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that I believe that this is what's happening. But I'm just going to put it out there as a perspective that I think. You know, I, I would not blame anyone in the city of Chicago who pays attention to what's going on here for absorbing this level of cynicism. But uh, the take I heard was that this was a great little PR opportunity for Lori Lightfoot to appear to be tough with the police department by firing him and a great opportunity for Eddie Johnson to get really good severance on top of his you know money he's gonna get for his pension well i okay that that second item first i don't know I, I, we have to have jeff johnson come in to talk about this our pension expert but uh it's i don't know what the consequence of how he uh was fired will impact his pension there could be consequences for his uh his pension if if well, if it turns out that uh, he misled Lori, like Light- Lori Lightfoot says, he misled her. He lied to her. So there could be some kind of impact on his pension uh, by 
I, I understand it, it's such a classic Chicago cynical attitude. Mm-hmm. She gets something, looks tough for firing him. Mm-hmm. God, you know, it just shows you I've been out of... I've been out of touch. You've been my, in, I've been in LA, LA for too long. Too long. I didn't even think of that. I was like, my first thought was, what's on the tape? That's where I'm coming from. But, uh, and. Um, I mean, look, the, taking away someone's pension is a very complicated thing. Yes. And Eddie Johnson has long been, I think, fully vested in his probably retirement package. Like, I, I'm sure that if they try to prevent him from having his pension, there's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be all kinds of other mess. Uh, but like John Burge got to keep his pension, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So like th- this is, uh, th- th- this is definitely gonna, uh, not be just like him losing everything and in, in, at the sunset of his career. John Burge, of course, was the policeman who was torturing, uh, black suspects uh, into confessing crimes for decades, for decades. He did end up going to, uh, prison uh, for lying under oath about torturing, about people. torturing, but be- he got to keep his pension because his jail time had nothing to do with his job as a police officer. I, I do not know. You know what? I'm not even going to go there because I do not know where the Eddie Johnson get. And this is one of my problems with the way it has been handled uh, is, and it feeds that kind of cynicism that you just expressed. Um, like they haven't told us what he did. I mean, the allegation, what I, you know, what I saw like Tribune reporters tweeting about today is that he was like, on camera drinking at a bar with some woman who's not his wife and like it's all out there and then Lori Lightfoot gets up in this press conference and says she doesn't want to talk about what what happened that was so inappropriate that Eddie Johnson lied to her about like but it's all out there already like no she wants to save Eddie Johnson's uh, wife and children uh embarrassment public embarrassment and she just put them out there. You know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't thinking about them. And by the way, it's like if he did something wrong and he got publicly fired and they're going to have to deal with that anyway. You're the one who put them out there. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? So the whole thing is very bizarre the way it's going to put. You raised a very good point. And again, this is this is how nerdy we are because this is like the, the public policy point. Mm-hmm. The reality is it's sort of like, uh, I know it's not really analogous, probably get in trouble for saying, but Al Capone was, he went to jail for tax, uh, tax fraud. And, uh, so Eddie Johnson, if you recall, I don't know if, I think you were here. Yeah, you were here. What am I thinking? Uh, in Chicago, when Eddie Johnson was appointed, he, the, they talk about how, uh, mayor life yesterday when she fired him said that uh, we have to end the way we do businesses in the city of Chicago. We have to have one standard. We have to follow the rules for everybody at the Chicago police department. They didn't even follow their own rules when they hired Eddie Johnson in the first place, mm-hmm. if you recall. Mayor Rahm was supposed to choose one of three candidates that the police board came forward with. And guess what? One of those three nominees was not Eddie Johnson. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just of all the things to evaluate Eddie Johnson's career on, like, the, it is... Uh, to, 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 to think of his legacy and his, like... What he represented within the police department, as uh, like that, this is the thing that people will remember is the guy who got fired because after he allegedly lied about why he was sleeping in his car that was parked on the side of the road, what he was doing, like you know, like this is I'm saying this is why I'm saying like go like people should go read this article in the Intercept, do some like you know there's been reporting around his his role as a public official for years like there's just this is this is all this is like noise i this is just noise and you know i think um it's a distraction and uh of all of the possible sins that eddie johnson is guilty of there's like way way more serious stuff out there to be evaluating his legacy on than like what he did after work you know like you know what who he was drinking with or why like just this is this is like so you know so so like unnecessary and noisy and just not not like not 
not about anything very real. tmz yeah, yes just uh without the videotapes Without the tapes, uh, supposedly it's all supported by I tapes. I don't care about the tape. Do you care about the tapes? Well, okay. I, this was the discussion uh, that I began the show with, and that officially, uh, in my capacity uh, as a sophisticated uh, analyst of city policy, no, I do not care about the tapes. And this it, is like this is. I like... think it's absolutely uh, it just shows how low we've come as a society that we care about the tapes. Now, as a human being. Uh, who watches scandal TV shows all the time. Hell yeah, I care about the tapes. I think you do too as well. I think everybody cares about the tapes. You know, we're we're a gossipy city. Everybody, I think that's the question that people are asking. People, There are I, other tapes I, ca- I care about much more. Like tapes where cops are doing th- untoward things vis-a-vis the residents of the city. Like... Tapes with sound on them, tapes that turn on at the appropriate time when incidents go down, tapes that are released in a timely manner, you know, like there's much more interesting tapes out there that that we need to be talking about than who Eddie Johnson is drinking with after hours in a bar. I cannot that's touche. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give her credit. That's touche. Uh, and uh, yes. And uh, speaking of which, well, I mean, this story broke, of course, when when I was uh, in Los Angeles, away from uh, Bernard. Did they tell? Did they, talk, did they talk to you about Charlie Beck over there? Did yes. You get any intel oh my, on Charlie well, Beck, no, our I, new superintendent? I, I spoke uh, to a lot of people of the lefty persuasion when I was out there, right, and they were like, they "Well, the basically good riddance and." Listen, I'm not. I would like to know. I would like to know in in your thought, just making this transition. What do you expect? What, what like I hate to use the word reform uh, in regards to absolutely anything that happens in Chicago, but what changes? Let's put it that way. Do you expect to emerge uh, from, like, under Charlie Beck? Under Charlie Beck, no yeah. changes. I expect no changes. <laughs> Why would I expect any changes? What, who who has brought in any kind of changes? I haven't seen that before. Have you? Mm-mm. So, what well, Lori of, what? Lightfoot, this was her issue. When I think of all the issues that Lori Lightfoot had going for her, uh, police accountability, uh, you know, she was the, the, the person in the aftermath of the Laquan McDonald video being released, who was sort of the public face for calling for more transparency. Uh, this 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 is what gave her the prominence to think that she had the possibility of running for mayor. I don't I don't I, I don't know Lori Lightfoot, so I don't know if that was like a dream she always had. But this is this was the issue that she rode to public prominence with, and uh, we're going to be talking tonight at the hideout about uh, her stand on affordable housing and housing issues and how you use planning and development to make Chicago a integrated city, et cetera, and so forth. But I do believe that based on who she was and the career she had and what motivated her to run for office, that she would make some moves in this direction. Yeah. But then, then, you know, she didn't hire Charlie Beck when she became mayor. Like this is, this is uh this has all been a very slow roll process and on, yeah, I don't have any reason to believe that there's going to be radically different things going on in the Chicago police department under Charlie Beck. If anything, I mean, I know that like rank and file cops in Chicago, they already hate their brass. Like go read the second city cop blog. (laughs) If you're looking for something to do and trying to, you know, test the the temperature of the, of the attitudes of, of rank and file cops towards, towards their bosses. Like they already hate those folks. They're already like there, there's all kinds of like, you know, disconnection and discontent between, um, between the brass and, and, and the rank and file cops. And like, what, like a guy from LA, are you kidding me? You've lived in Chicago for decades. Like, you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that Chicago cops cops are going to be like rah rah for some guy some brass <laughs> coming in from yeah. LA 
Absolutely not. Yeah. It doesn't uh, work that way. It's not how, it, it doesn't work that yeah. way. It doesn't and work that way. I can really think of three outsiders. He'll be the third. Well, he's interim, uh, right? Isn't he interim? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can think of two others, uh, Jody Weiss. And Gary Big Mac McCarthy, who were brought in from the outside, and uh, Jody Weiss was. I just... mean, they hated. They hated. They hated Eddie Johnson too. They hate. I mean, it's not about. It's. It's not a necessarily about them being outsiders. It's like being an outsider is just like a cherry on top of like a hate Sunday. <laughs> yeah. That 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 you, that's already you know p- p- palpable when when you, you hear just street cops talking about the bosses. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, I'm trying to think, was Eddie, uh, Johnson as reviled as much as Jody Weiss, who was the uh, police chief that was brought in by Mayor Daly in about 2011. What a sweetheart deal he got because, uh, it was when at the same time Daly was trying to get the Olympics to come to Chicago and he thought that Jody Weiss could, his, his had credibility, uh, as a, uh, what a law enforcement officer, uh, dealing with the big, uh, spectacles like the Olympics. And so we were stuck with him for a couple of years. Uh, so, uh, we'll see how this unfolds. Uh, also unfolding, uh, in real time, state's attorney's race and, uh, Kim Fox course is running for reelection. I had the, when I was out of town they had filings, uh, the filing deadline came up yesterday. I'm looking at the paper. I can't remember. How many candidates I are we think, up to? Okay. We're up to, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six Democrats are running and uh there's of course some uh, republicans Three uh, republicans yes so it's nine uh, are in the race mm-hmm. uh right now again six uh, democrats three republicans um and one of course is your old friend bob fioretti threw his hat in the ring the former wow alderman. is there an is there an elected <laughs> an elected position bob fioretti won't run for uh, i think the answer <laughs> to that is no i think he's proved that <laughs> Just the, just the guy. Tell us about the who are the other names. Well, let's see. We have these are all names that I'm not that familiar with. Uh, they've emerged. Uh, let's. Uh, I know Donna Moore. She ran last time, uh, and uh, uh, she uh, was part of the. Uh, it was Kim Fox, Donna Moore, and Eden Alvarez mm-hmm. in uh, 2016. She's a corporate lawyer. She comes from uh, that side of town, and um, she got the name recognition she's got momentum so she's sort of carrying that fight on and then there's uh bill conway you familiar with him at all yeah i've been hearing about him um very uh you know i don't know i I, that's the name i'm here i've been that's the person that's been campaigning more aggressively from most aggressively from like what i've seen just passing through social media and my own inbox with press releases and stuff that this, this this guy's really heated up for us uh, and then, of course, there's Kim Fox and uh, Bob Fioretti. I personally, I've said this. Who are the other two guys? Well, these other two guys are running as Republicans, Pat O'Brien and Christopher Fanucci. Um, I'm going to butcher. No, the other two guys, the other two Democrats. The other two Democrats that I'm Conway, Fioretti, yeah, Conway. Moore, yeah, I think that's. Kim Fox and two others. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Hold on. I'm. Uh, I think you're, we're adding, uh, the, I was adding counting Republicans as Democrats. Um, yes, I think that's So there's it. only four Democrats. Yes, there's four Democrats, uh, including Kim Fox, mm-hmm. who's running for re-election. I, I just, I, I, when, when Conway announced that he was going to run and he started unveiling his commercials, uh, which I don't know if you've seen them, but they're kind of like Pete Buttigieg-esque mm-hmm. commercials. Guys young, young, very like linebackery looking. Yes, and uh, I talked about uh, time in Afghanistan. Uh, and uh, and then uh, Donna Moore announced that she was going to run again. I just had the feeling that it was very like a Pete Buttigieg moment. I, I, I had this, uh, it reminded me of Pete Buttigieg. I do not believe that any candidate for state's attorney in Cook County uh, can win the Democratic primary without a significant number of black votes. And I don't see any candidate in this race other than Kim Fox who could get black votes. And particularly when I look at the issue as it's shaping up that's uh, being held against Kim Fox, the Justice Smollett case, I don't see that as winning over black votes for any of these candidates. That's my general thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the Jesse Smollett case has become like so, I mean, it's just such a polarizing, 
ideological thing now. It's like either people either view it as, you know, uh, you know, this is like an ex- just like a, uh, a f- smoking gun of Kim Fox's corruption and, you know, incapacity to hold this position or uh this is this this has been turned into like this giant uh weapon against her by you know white supremacists and and conservatives and like just various reactionary elements in the city who have wanted her gone from the get-go and finally had something to sink their teeth into so um the, the whole thing is shameful it's a shameful waste of public resources of of public attention span um the lawsuits that are still flying around it are are ridiculous so you know uh i guess it all depends on how persuasive um people find the arguments that that kim fox is like that the jesse smollett case is like indicative of kim fox's like deep-rooted corruption and disregard for the law and whatever so you know, I don't know, but a lot of people I know are like completely exhausted by this conversation, completely uninterested in this whole like drama around Jesse Smollett. Like, and uh, and I think that if you really want to evaluate Kim Fox's record, on top of that, you know, it's probably a good idea to pay attention to what she's done in terms of the regular hoi polloi that wind up in the criminal justice system and the kind of reform she's instituted, the kind of cultural reforms she's tried to institute inside the office as well. So yeah, um, it's, this will be an interesting race to watch um, because I think it'll really play on people's, uh, various biases and um i think you know it'll be clear how effective the truth is versus you know how how persuasive pr basically is so i don't know but i guess that's true of any election yeah well it's, i think it's particularly the case here and once donald trump starts weighing in oh and i'm uh, sure yeah, yeah it, it's <laughs> over that will guarantee kim fox re-election uh in the cook county democratic prim- again it's a cook county democratic primary so the basic rules are folks you don't need 50.1 you just need to have uh a uh, a plurality and so if you just put a, a people who despise Donald Trump and will be for anybody that Donald Trump is against. Combine that uh, with black voters who will, uh, I think, rightfully so, think that there's a double standard being used against Kim Fox uh, that no, uh, like, was never employed against any state's attorney when it came to investigating, let's say, Mayor Daley's uh, nephew, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just progressives who just like Kim Fox, I got a feeling. And plus, the, you know, the Democratic Party, basically, J.B. Pritzker's lined up behind her, Mayor Lightfoot's are. So yeah. I just got, uh, you know, I just don't see uh, her losing that race. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I want to throw this uh, one question at you uh, that um, I don't know if you saw this in the paper, but uh, shaking my head, uh, people in Wisconsin, uh, did you see this in the paper? People in Wisconsin are going to be making it clear at Kenosha and uh, at the, 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 the state border um, that just because Illinois has legalized uh, marijuana, it's illegal in Wisconsin. Our, my next guest, or Rachel Ventura, is chucking over this. So they're already announcing the speed traps. They're getting ready to set up those cop traps uh, that get the nab Illinois drivers as they come across the border. Used to get you for just uh, speeding, uh, Maya, but now they're going to nail you. They're like, reefer's not free, not uh, legal in the state of Wisconsin. We're going to... Yeah, I would just remind folks that there's no such thing as a field sobriety test for uh being high on weed so uh you know you don't have to i'm I'm just you know i don't know what obviously there's going to be all kinds of racial profiling going on i'm sure but uh you know this is uh i I, i'm not surprised to hear but maybe the authorities in wisconsin should actually just be focusing on their public health problem up there with like underground vaping cartridges for THC-based vaping products that are getting people sick. So, I mean, it sounds like they have their own problems to worry about, basically. Um, And, uh, you know, 
if people are coming to Illinois to buy those cartridges that are safe and not what, or I don't know, at least not produced in somebody's garage. Uh, maybe that's a, maybe that's a good thing. All right, Maya, one more time, tell folks where we're going to be tonight at six 30 and, uh, what they expect, can expect to hear when they show up at the hideout. What's the address? 1354 West Wilbonsia. So 630, we're talking about affordable housing with uh, with activist and organizer Leah, Le- Le- Leah Levenger, who is the director of the Chicago Housing Initiative and uh, policy analyst and policy director for uh, the Chicago Department of Housing and author Daniel K. Hertz. Should be a great conversation. See you there. All right. Very good. See you there indeed. Uh, and uh, that uh, our next guest is already in the studio. Rachel Ventura is the 11th district of uh, the state of Illinois, the 11th congressional district ready for a Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren progressive, a Green New Deal Democrat. Let's talk politics with Rachel Ventura when we return. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. And listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago. Landcremationoptions.com.